1: whatever you do, if you make a decision to pivot in your business, that it is aligned with your mission.
2: I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about
3: Thanks to KiwiCo for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. KiwiCo creates super cool hands-on projects for kids to make learning about STEAM really fun. Designed by experts and tested by kids, get 30% off your first month on select crates at kiwico.com slash dreamjob. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So you can probably tell from my voice, I'm not in my usual high vibe, big spirits, Um, there's a lot of stuff going on and I'm having surgery tomorrow and, um, when I'm on the other side of this, I will talk about it a little bit more, but I just want to say thank you because so many of you saw me post about that on Instagram and you sent me beautiful comments and messages and I really can feel your love and I just want to say thank you for that. It's just one of those complicated, unexpected, sad things, but, um, I'll be okay. And when I get through it a little more, maybe I'll be able to talk about it and share a little bit about what's happened. Um, but thank you for your grace and your support. And, um, if you're inclined to pray, you can send me some good vibes, uh, tomorrow in the afternoon. So let's jump into today's episode. Today we have an amazing woman, Jamie Kern Lima. She's the co-founder of IT Cosmetics. She's an amazing entrepreneur. She's a philanthropist, a speaker, and she has a billion dollar business. And it's such a huge success. It's really, her story is so unbelievable. She did over 1,000 live TV appearances on QVC, and she grew It Cosmetics to be the largest beauty brand in QVC history. It became a top-selling makeup and skincare brand, and then she sold it to L'Oreal for $1.2 billion in their largest U.S. acquisition to date. That made Jamie the first female CEO in L'Oreal history. Jamie has been named on the 2019 Forbes richest self-made women list, the Goldman Sachs 100 Most Intriguing Entrepreneurs, and she's been featured on Good Morning America, The New York Times, Oprah Magazine, Glamour, The Wall Street Journal. She's accomplished so much. She currently owns part or all of more than 15 companies, and she works with philanthropic causes, including Look Good, Feel Better, where IT Cosmetics has donated $40 million of product to help women face the effects of cancer with more confidence. She is such a gem, so lovable, so easy to talk to, and her story, it's going to blow you away. So without further ado, please welcome the incredible Jamie Kern lima
0: Jamie, I'm so, so happy that you made the time. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh my goodness, Kathy, I am excited to be here and share with you. Oh, well, you're just one of the most
0: lovely, generous, and you are so sweet and so humble. It's no wonder to me that you've just had such an effect on the world.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: So you grew one of the most unprecedented, largest, most incredible beauty brands ever. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about the journey
1: and how it all started? Yeah. I mean, I'm grateful for every day job I've had, but I'm grateful that I had the guts to quit some of them too and um,
2: <laughs> yeah. and
1: dream bigger. And um, it's funny just to share super quick. I don't think I've ever shared this before, but I actually uh, celebrated my last birthday at a Denny's oh. and it was so surreal because I had, you know, Built a billion-dollar company, but was a Denny's waitress and was super proud of that job when I had it. And um, some of the servers there that day were actually customers at Cosmetics, so it was just a k- super cool oh full-circle moment. But yeah, I um I love other people's stories, right? So yeah. I thought, okay, that's what I want to do with my my career. And so I went into journalism and I was working as a reporter and a television news anchor. And I thought I was going to do that my whole career. And it's so funny how sometimes things happen to us in life that, that feel like they're like a setback or something. And then they end up kind of like setting us up for, you know, our destiny or our Sure, It becomes
0: a big gift. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, And I remember I was anchoring the news and it started getting worse and worse. And what I mean by that is I got a a skin condition called rosacea, which is hereditary Mm -hmm. and no cure for it. And I get these really bright red patches of skin and sometimes they're rough in texture, kind of like sandpaper. Sometimes they're really bumpy, but I get them all over my cheeks and I started developing that in my 20s and 30s and, and would be anchoring the news and I remember one moment where I heard in my earpiece when I was live doing the show, the producers from the control room were saying, you know, there's something on your face, there's something on your face, you need to get it off and I knew that there wasn't oh and when I would like glance down in the little compact mirror at the commercial break, it was just the makeup breaking up and the, the redness from the rosacea coming uh. through. And so it's funny that a lot of people think like if you're on television, you make a lot of money. Well, you, in news, you don't. So I had, I think I was making 23500 a year, even no though way. everybody thought, mm-hmm. oh, you're on television. So I barely had money, but what I did have, I spent trying to find a makeup product that would work. <laughs> like I would spend my whole paycheck uh, like on the cheapest products in the drugstore, the most expensive in the department store, like whatever I could find and it would either not cover or it would be like a mask where it would feel like I was wearing a pancake and it, I didn't look like myself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so it was like this thing where all of a sudden this frustration turned into kind of this aha moment where I thought, okay, right now it's 2008. When I look out at all the magazines, all I see are these sort of like Photoshop airbrushed images of models and none of them look like me. And I don't even know if they're even wearing the product and the advertisement. Sure. That's true. Right. It's like, how do I find something that works? And you know, there must be so many other people out there that are frustrated or have just given up on makeup. So it was kind of like this aha moment where I shifted my focus from, from journalism to like trying to figure out, this out i had this idea that if i could create a product that actually would work for me it may also be life changing for a lot of other people yeah and then also like what was bigger than that for me even was okay I don't feel great about myself when I look at all of these sort of like definitions of aspirational beauty. And it's like, what if I could help shift culture in beauty and create this company where I show, you know, real women of every age and every skin tone and problem skin challenge, every, you know, size and, and call them beautiful and call them aspirational models and Mm -hmm. try to like shift culture around that. So that was like my bigger why for everything. What a gorgeous mission. And you know, what's funny, Kathy is I was like, Oh, let me just quit my job and start this dream. But the journey was so different than I expected it to go. There were so many moments where it was so hard. And I thought like, am I alone? Or is this idea not going to work? Like, it's a, It was a crazy, crazy journey. And it's started very different than I expected.
0: So what are some of those things that you looking back would say, this is what I learned that you should focus on? Because when I focus on these three things, it fell short. And when I finally learned that this is really what mattered,
1: things started to cook. Okay. So if I had to really pinpoint those things, I think that in the beginning, one of the biggest difficulties was like I really believed in you know the product and the mission and all that and I just thought oh my gosh all these people I put on pedestals like these experts like I love shopping in Sephora and Ulta and the the stores and QVC I'm like we're gonna love it and it was a crazy first three years of every single one of them saying no (laughs) so I sent our products over and over and over to all of them and always either got a rejection letter or radio silence. And I was not just send it to the head buyer. I would like hustle and go on LinkedIn, go on anything I could find. I would find anybody that worked there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I would like send them products and, <clears throat> and it was always a no, or you're not a right fit. I remember a time when I finally got an in-person meeting with Sephora And I remember the high-rise building in downtown San Francisco, and I felt like I was in a movie, like Devil Wears Prada, and I was like, oh my gosh, like how am I here, and all these things, but I went in there and poured my heart out, and and I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be the big break, and I remember when they said no, and it was one woman in particular, and I was like, oh, but – but this really works and people are talking about it online. And I remember sh- her saying, if people were talking about this, I would know about it. I'd hear mm, about it. and I'm not. Geez, wow. um, and I remember like the elevator ride to the lobby of Sephora and it was a packed elevator. And I just remember holding back tears. Like, like I was trying to keep it cool course, and like, you yeah. know, all those things, but I was surrounded by people that potentially worked there and I didn't want to cry in front of them. Yes. And I remember like rushing out to the street and getting around the corner on market street and just like sobbing because I didn't know. I mean, we didn't pay ourselves the first three years and I, mm-hmm. my husband and I started it. We both quit our jobs. We wrote the business plan on our honeymoon. And I just, oh. I believed in my idea so much and he really believed in it. And so when everybody kept saying no, that is one of the hardest things. And when I look back now on what's happened, I would have saved myself millions of nights of crying myself to sleep if I understood one thing, which is when you're doing something that's new or hasn't been done before, or if you are doing your own take on something that exists, so you're doing it a different way. Yes. Like, all, of course, all the experts, for the most part, aren't going to get it, aren't going to believe in it because there's no social proof out there that tells them, oh yeah, that's going to work because it's never been done before and yeah. it hasn't been done your way. And I went through three years of everyone who I really held on a pedestal, not just saying no, but like, no, I, I remember a call at QVC where I just knew, I was like, I know if we can get on QVC, sure. this is going to be life-changing, oh, right? Yeah. Because like- I can show live how it works. I can yeah. you know, show my own rosacea, all these things. And I remember a phone call with the head of um, QVC at the time in beauty. And he said to me that he reviewed it with the buyers and it's a no, and I'm not the right fit for QVC or for their customers. Mm. And I remember like three days in a row of crying, going, Oh my gosh. Cause we had gotten down at one point to under a thousand dollars in our company bank account, wow. personal bank account. And I had, we had one person on payroll, which was my best friend <laughs> who left a way better job to take a risk on us. And she was six months pregnant when I hired her actually. And, uh, and we couldn't even give her benefits, but she took this huge risk. And then me and my husband didn't pay herself the first three years. And we were like doing every job, that we could in the company, the best we could do it. We were just hustling and it was just this like all in journey, but we stuck with our bigger mission. And I feel like I feel like if you have a why that's bigger than yourself, like it has to be bigger than yourself or it's too easy to quit when it's hard. Oh God. And, you know, our why was just, I really want to shift culture and beauty and yeah. change the way women look in the mirror and all those wow. things. And by the way, sometimes it's your friends and family or your inner circle who doesn't get your dream. Sure. Or like, of course. Oh, Big no. time right? We want you to play it safe. You know, you have good yeah. benefits, stay where you are or yeah, they want to protect safe. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or they just have their own, they mean so well and they don't even realize yep. they have their own worries and their own issues and all those things. And they don't want that change or that risk. And yeah, and it's so tough. Um, one thing to share, actually, really quick, Kathy, on that note, I don't know if you know Bob Goff. but he Oh, is, yeah, I love him. Oh, my gosh. So he is amazing. So Bob taught me, the way he put it is, you know, we all hold our own microphone. And, like, we allow other people to talk into it. Um, and he was saying, you know, one of the things you have to do as you go after your dream is you have to really protect who you allow to talk into your microphone when it comes to your dream and other things like that. And, and he kind of put it where you can still love, whether it's your partner or your family or your friends, uh, but maybe when it comes to your dream – you don 't hand over your microphone to them, and maybe when they do start talking about it, you can just kind of, in your own way, turn down the volume <laughs> yeah. and um, and I just thought that was such a smart way of putting it into perspective because you know when people are making life transitions or, or making that Courageous decision to leave something safe and go after something that just sets their heart on fire. It's not easy when it goes well. It's not easy. So, protecting who you allow to sort of speak into you um, is so important in that journey.
0: You have such a generous spirit. Like, from the second you started this, like, you were being called, you know, and you had to have the courage because when you just detailed those moments of riding down in the elevator or getting the call from the guy who ran beauty out, I mean, so many people would have just been destroyed. And on the other side of crossing this ocean of courage, you've literally now touched the lives of millions and millions of human beings because you had the courage to stay true. And often that is what it comes down to. I feel like people think they have a business problem and it's a courage problem. It's a, I don't know if I can stomach, right? The rejection and you did. And I'm curious what turned it around? When did they start saying yes? What broke through? Because you went on to do thousands of TV appearances. You went on to grow one of the biggest brands QVC has ever seen. So what was that tipping point?
1: Yeah, oh my gosh, what a great question. And you know what? I love this because I feel like when I was going through all the no's, because it was years of them and all the rejection and the underestimation, um, it's very hard to not feel like, well, maybe they're right, or maybe of course. my idea isn't great, or like like let those no's translate into self-doubt in your mm-hmm. own head. It's so tempting to do that. Mm. And for me, faith played a big part. And I ended up hiring over a thousand people at, at Cosmetics, and oh on- purpose I hired people of every faith, no faith. Like I wanted our team to be diverse and to also represent our customers, which are super diverse. And yeah. for me personally, figuring out how to keep my faith bigger than my fear in the whole journey. And for me, my gut feeling on things, which is when I pray, like it for me, it's how I hear God is like through my gut feeling on things. Yeah. And every time I would get knocked down, like yeah, I would Bawl my eyes out some days, and yeah, I would start to doubt things and all of that. But when I really got through that initial uh, disappointment and got still and prayed about it, I just kept knowing in my gut I was supposed to be doing this. Like I was supposed to be on this mission, or this was part of my my purpose. And the biggest defining moment, I would say, turning everything around came down to when we got a yes, because this was three years of no's, and we finally got a yes to get one shot on QVC. Oh my and- God you know, QVC, as you know, it's a live television channel and it's, uh, they broadcast to a hundred million homes and it's live and you actually get, even though it's, you know, you have to go on and have fun and all those things, because if you try to like sell nothing sells, but you have these <laughs> crazy high sales goals. So when we got one shot on QVC, here's what that meant. It meant we had a 10 minute segment. Oh my God. And at the time we were under a thousand dollars in our bank account and we were selling two to three orders a day on our website. Okay. And at this point we had almost like no signs of hope anywhere else oh. except getting this one shot on QVC but it was so risky, and what I mean by that is, you know, they gave us 10 minutes, but we had to manufacture, pay for ship in and sell over 6,000 units of our concealer, our by the under eye concealer in that 10 minute window, or we wouldn't hit their sales goal and we wouldn't come back. So we would I can't
0: always- even, I can't even wrap my head around how you handled that moment. Oh
1: my gosh. Well, what, was- the stakes were so high. Oh my gosh. Crazy. And here's the, here's the stressful part is in the, in TBC Beauty's consignment, which means we had to pay for all of the inventory. So we had to borrow money to, um, manufacturers, like 150 something thousand dollars at retail a uh, product. But if it didn't sell in those 10 minutes, it would get shipped back to us and we wouldn't be paid for it, oh, which meant gosh. we would have gone out of business. So what happened was oh. this defining moment where I'm like, oh my goodness, the whole like future of my company, if we're going to stay alive or go bankrupt, yeah. it's going to come down to this one 10 minute window. And by the way, if you go live, right. And your 10 minute clock starts ticking down. If you're not doing well, meaning you're not hitting their sales goals by the minute, your time gets cut. So no you, way. Yeah, oh so it can jump. Like you might be at eight minutes left. And if you're not doing well, boom, you're down to two minutes and they'll put on like someone else, like maybe uh, Apple iPhone or, yeah. you know, another company that can hit those sales numbers. So you really get one shot to hit that goal. And so here's One of the defining lessons I've ever learned as an entrepreneur, but also just as a human being, Um, that one shot was so much pressure. And what I did is I flew out to QVC a week early before that airing, and I sat in this rental car in the QVC parking lot, and it's this like massive campus. And I just was freaking out, but just praying, trying to figure out what to do because We had hired these third-party consultants who are awesome. They help a lot of people do really well selling on television. And they all told me the same thing, which is, if you're going to have any chance of doing well, which most people don't, you're going to need to do this, which is use this exact type of model, the type I'd always seen in magazines, right? With perfect skin, no skin issues, the same age and skin tone. And here's how you produce your cell, which is your honor presentation. And I was like, okay, but... I created like like right. this goes against home, everything
0: I've yeah, created
1: yeah totally and it's like my gut was like oh my gosh okay but if I'm sitting at home and I have hyperpigmentation or maybe I'm 70 years old or me you know and I want to see someone who looks like me or maybe I am you know this skin tone or this skin challenge like how do I know it's gonna work for me if I don't see someone who looks like me and we would argue about this and like they met well they wanted us to succeed but again it was their very best advice and so I sat in that rental car, just like literally crying. And I felt the weight of the world because it's one thing to say, Oh, I believe in my mission and my why it's another thing to go. Okay. But if I follow it, everyone's saying I'm going to fail and I'm going to go bankrupt and lose everything. And it was like literally that moment. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I just, I remember envisioning like who that person is, sitting on the other side of the television and I would think about all different women across the country and like, you know, whether she was, a super busy, like stay at home mom who like forgot that she was beautiful or mattered and like hadn't hadn't seen someone that looked like her on television. Like I I just, I got to this point where I realized I would rather have her look up on the screen and like see me on there showing my rosacea, showing women that look like her and calling them beautiful than like do what everyone else was doing and sell all this product and stand for nothing. Uh And it was a moment where I felt like was the riskiest thing I've ever done. And I remember walking into the studio for that 10 minute segment. And I remember meeting with the host and I was like freaking out, shaking sure. and so stressed out. My rosacea was so red, which was great for the TV, but I was so stressed <laughs> out. And I remember the clock starting at 10 minutes and it was like 9.59, 9.58, 9.57 and my bright red bare face before a shot came up and I walked over to these models that were all ages and sizes and skin challenges. And I remember when we got to the nine minute Mark and the host was like the deep shade sold out the medium shade sold out. And I was just like freaking out. And then at the oh 10 minute God. Mark, the sold out sign came up across the screen Oh. And I started crying on television and yeah. then they cut from me. And I remember the producer in my ears, like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you going to faint? And then I remember looking over and my um, husband came running in the studio and he's like, we're not going bankrupt. Oh and I was God. like crying. And I'm like real women have spoken. And uh, <laughs> it was this moment where I realized, you know, because people are, are buying something they can't even try yet. Yeah. yeah. But the story I was sharing was a million percent authentic and vulnerable. That's it. That's it's it. like I owned it, even though the experts told me it wouldn't work. And mm. from that moment on, a lot of things shifted. It turned to, we did five shows that year and then 101 the next year. And we oh grew to 250. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. And I did them all myself for eight years. And because this was 2010, when we launched on KBC, we grew to the biggest beauty brand in QVC history and still oh are to this day and the reason I share that is because they said no for three years and said it would never work and then oh by the time gosh. we got a chance and then they became the most incredible partners and by the way Kathy the guy I told you about who told me sure. no and like yeah ended up, he ended up becoming one of our biggest champions like yeah, of, of course a, a mentor of mine a great friend and to this day oh is God. one of my great friends It's an unbelievable story.
0: Such courage and talk about authenticity. Oh my gosh. It's like so many people are working so hard to create this like avatar of who they are, as opposed to God forbid going on Instagram and being themselves. And they really feel that the cost of admission to success is being a more expert, a prettier, a thinner, or whatever fill in the blank version of themselves. And it's exhausting. Right. And, and here you were unrelenting on, I will be unabashedly real because that's the whole point of what I'm doing. And,
1: and look what it's done. Oh my God. You know, I love that you just said that because now more than ever, I just, I see that pressure on people, especially with social media, um, Beyond. where everything just like looks perfect, even though no one has any yes. idea how it really is. Yes. Um, but you know, one thing to share on that too, that you just popped in my head is, so I don't like to admit this because I don't think this is a good thing and I probably would do it differently, but I ended up, You know, working 100 hour weeks for 10 years building this company. And part of that was doing the 250 live shows a year at QVC, which meant I was in that green room all the time. And in between shows, I would be, you know, creating product and doing 50 billion emails and, you know, all the hiring, all those things. So much. Part of that was being in that space of the QVC green room. One of the biggest things I got to witness. At QVC, you get to see and meet almost every brand founder that comes in and out of there. Fascinating. Yeah, or their heads of education or heads of sales. And the thing that I learned, the people that did well and actually lasted there were the people who were the exact same off air, as they were on air, like for mm-hmm. better or worse. Like yeah. sometimes you'll see someone who's like wild and crazy and inappropriate, whatever they are on yeah. air. Yeah. Um, the ones that were that way off air were always the ones that lasted. And then the people that went on air and you know did this beautiful, perfect cell or whatever they were doing, but they were a different person. Yeah. Short lived. Yeah where it lived. And it was this big lesson about how, oh yeah, this is more proof that you can't fake authenticity and that if you aren't authentically you, you cannot authentically connect with your customers. Yes,
0: yes, yes. And it's so gorgeous because what I've learned just from my own story and it's it's just nowhere near the giant success which is your life but what i've learned is that sales is intimacy that people don't buy things they buy feelings when they feel that you see them when they feel that they relate there's empathy that's it right it's it's a feeling there's something that's real about that connection and people we've lost that you know it's just fascinating how you are such a master like please pull back the mask and lean in and then human beings were made to then connect and people just don't get that and and you do i mean i i can't even think of another example of of what turned around and proved it to be true as much as your story it's just absolutely stunning
1: you know, uh, thank you. What we're talking about right now, I think, is one of the most powerful ideas. If someone truly hears this and truly gets it, it is the most freeing, liberating thing in the world because how much time and energy oh do we waste God. trying, so much. hustling, right? Oh and, much. and one thing that just comes to mind right now is Brene Brown yeah. did a lot of research on you know, the power of authenticity. Um, One of the things that she said is we typically like orphan off parts of our story. We don't want people you know, to to know or see. And then we kind of like show up as our representative. And what she said is if you're not full and authentically you, you can't ever have a true connection with another human being. Mm -hmm. And she said, if you continue like you know, hiding parts of yourself or trying to show up as your representative, she says what you end up doing is like, instead of standing inside and owning your full glorious story and life, you end up spending your life, and these are her words, you end up spending your life standing outside your your story, hustling for your worthiness. And when she said that, I'm like, oh my goodness, because, you know, we've all been there where we feel like, we're hustling for our worthiness. Like whether it's in elementary school, if you're like, wait, why didn't I get invited to a party? Or, I mean, and now I see so many people going, oh, but their business looks like it's doing really well on Instagram. Maybe I need to do what they're doing. And maybe this is great data. And I'm like, oh no, this is a great distraction because this is going to dilute your own authenticity, which then you are screwed.
0: (laughs) A hundred percent. And what you just shared, I mean, That is one of the most powerful things that we've ever discussed on this show. And I had a a teacher, she's a mindfulness teacher a few years ago. And she said, you know, what's the most beautiful thing you can do is every morning have tea and invite all parts of yourself to come. You know, the parts of yourself that are brave, the parts of yourself that self-sabotage and just say like, you are welcome here. You know, like one of the things I learned at onsite was the shame that we carry around for our broken, wounded parts and what happens when we don't let that in is we don't give, we then don't give other people permission to feel that they can be themselves when they're around us.
3: I love this conversation, but let's just take a moment to thank our sponsor. If you're a parent like me, it might feel like our kids have had an extended summer vacation and now actual summer vacation is here, but that doesn't mean learning at home has to stop. KiwiCo creates super cool hands-on projects for kids to make learning about STEAM super fun. STEAM stands for science, technology, engineering, art, and math. It's designed by experts and tested by kids. No need to research or worry about gathering all the supplies. As a parent, it can be hard to find ways to keep your children busy and challenged, especially while we've all been inside. KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can spend quality time tackling projects together at home. I especially love that they have different crates for kids of all ages, so there's something for every kid on your list. My daughter Maddie got the rainbow kit from the koala crate and she loved the projects from there. She made this cute little rainbow pillow and she got a fun book that explains how rainbows are formed. And my other daughters got their own crates that came with their own projects. And it's just really neat to see them make real engineering science and art projects and they felt so accomplished by the end of it. Plus, I feel so much better as a parent because I know that they're learning and having fun. KiwiCo is redefining Play with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at Kiwico. Get 30 percent off your first month on select crates at Kiwico.com/dreamjob. That's kiwic ocom job.
0: You know it's interesting because we're living through COVID right now, and people are saying it's it's just so awful. And and there is so many things about it that are. But what's really scary is that a year ago in 2019. 1.4 million Americans attempted suicide and 54% of the country said that they felt lonely. So what are we rushing back to and what is not working and what can we build? And and so much of it Jamie is this thing that we were just talking about because the depth of the connection, we've sort of erased it because we're fabricating versions of ourselves that are perfect and hiding everything else. So then we look at each other and we say, oh my God, I feel so lonely. Nobody really sees me. Nobody really gets me. Nobody's standing where I'm standing. Maybe everybody else is having the perfect marriage and the perfect avocado toast and having sex every day except for me. But that's not true, Right. right? We're all in this struggle and what you just shared and how you've done what you've done. It's just exquisite, and you just breathe life into people just by being you, really and truly.
2: What a gift! Takes one to know one, Kathy. I want to ask you something. People
0: are freaking out, it is a a scary time. People are losing jobs, and you just shared with us what you were able to build by being authentic, but also you just shared what you were able to do by, you know, broadcasting on QVC. I'm curious what you think for people who might not be able to keep their brick and mortars, for people who have to pivot into the online space, what's here for us, Jamie? Is there an opportunity? Is there something that we can look to build that's a maybe even more lasting than what we had before? I'm curious what your take on it is.
1: Yeah, it is such a tough time for so many people. And you know, one of the things, when we launched at Cosmetics, it was 2008, right? Which is one of the worst oh, yeah. <laughs> economic times yep. Uh, you know, no access to capital, etc. So what I'll say is two things about this. I think when times are really tough, I think that obviously there's a lot of downside that comes with that and a lot of worry. I think one of the most positive things that comes with it is that we get more creative because we don't have a choice in some cases and also get more scrappy. And so the first thing I would say is, you know, don't get distracted by the things that look like they matter, but they don't meaning like, Oh, this competitor's doing this and that on, you know, and on social, it looks like they just had this big event or their social media is exploding, which, you know, as you know, it's really cheap to buy fake followers on social media, which is what a lot of people do. And what I would say is don't waste any money on things that don't matter. The discipline of cash flow is going to be so important in the next little bit. And listen, when I mean, we were so scrappy and so focused in those early years on discipline in terms of, I mean, yep. this is so such an unsexy topic, but the discipline of our cash flow to the point where, you know, my middle name is Marie, and Marie got her own email address, marie at cosmetics.com. And Marie, Would be head of customer service and head of PR. I love you.
2: Oh, I love you. Oh
0: my God, that is so brilliant.
1: (laughs) And she'd be like our founders of I Love for an interview. You you know, you get scrappy and just don't get distracted by the things. And now more than ever, it's hard not to because everything is in a literal filter online. And the second thing I would say on the topic of pivoting, because right now, you know, yes, not only people who might be losing their jobs, but also people who are running businesses or responsible for teams or entrepreneurs. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are having to make big pivots when it comes to making their company more virtual or more Mm -hmm. online, etc. And, you know, now is a good time, especially when people have a little more time. Again, this is, I'm going to qualify this by saying, if you are in a place that, first and foremost, your mental health and physical sure, health course. should be the yes. top priority. And, you know, some people are, are focused on, you know, skilling up right now in areas, whether it's understanding the virtual world better or the online world better or the Mm -hmm. social media world better. Other people are realizing, okay, I could be skilling up in my business, but what I need to be doing is more like skilling up when it comes to my faith or my health. Um, So I think it's a good time for that. But what I want to say is like, everybody's talking about pivoting Mm -hmm. and make sure whatever you do, if you make a decision to pivot in your business, that it is aligned with your mission and versus just pivoting because it's what's popular and what other people are doing right now, um, but might just end up diluting your own secret sauce because it's not aligned with your vision and all that. Because right now a lot of people are panicking, they're looking everywhere for what to do and how to do it and nobody has the answers. There will be answers, but nobody has them right now in terms of how long this will go on and ha- the impact it's going to have continuing to have yep. on jobs and the economy. So, I would say if you pivot, don't do it as a quick reaction or a thing that your competitors are doing because unless it's truly aligned with your mission. And so many times, Kathy growing at cosmetics, like once we finally got into all the Mm -hmm. retailers and department stores, what would happen and how I built a billion dollar company is by not getting distracted and pivoting at some of the times when it wasn't aligned with our, our mission. And what I mean by that, I mean, to use a really simple example, retailers always want to make money and always in the moment and the buyers get bonuses that way. And I understand that and always want, Them to succeed, but sometimes they would say, Okay, we're doing a big trend show in six months around multi colored, rainbow colored concealers, and we want you to make one because then you're going to get in the front window and you're going to get this placement, and we're doing a big campaign. Yeah, and I could think to myself, Okay, if we did that, we would make a lot of money in that moment. But guess what? A multi colored concealer, even though it's on trend and selling so well for our competitors you know, the the blue and pink and green ones. Well, that's not aligned with our mission. Like like we make 48 shades of our concealer, but it's your skin tone. So you just need one product um, for 48 skin tones and you can just use it and go. You don't need to learn artistry of using, you know, there's enough brands that do that really well. So we would say no to money in the short term in order to protect our brand DNA and the yeah. integrity of it yeah. long-term. So my point is like just make sure when you pivot, it's not because it's a distraction or or a solution for other people, but that it's aligned truly with your bigger why and where you see your own company going long-term.
0: Yeah. And that makes so much sense. They're saying now, you know, they're using the words essential business, essential business. And part of me thinks the things that are not going to sustain through this, I wonder how aligned the person who created that business really truly was because the things that remain are things that were somehow essential for the person and for the customer. And if they are, they'll, they'll pivot and they'll find their way. But sometimes it's because the person goes, I was never really aligned with that. So it fell apart easily. I, I want to ask you one more question before you go, which is when you were first, first, first starting and you had that conversation um, at Sephora and you said, oh, but so many people love this. It's working. And, and the woman said, oh no, if that's true, I would have known these people. The question I have is there were people who were trying the product who loved it before you got on QVC. Yes, you were struggling. Yes, you had a thousand dollars left, but there were human beings that had already tried it and you knew that you had validation around this product
1: because some people had already loved it. How did you get those first customers? So in the very beginning, you know, we could not afford to advertise. What I did do though, was I did send product to every single person I could find who Mm -hmm. was an editor a beauty editor or an online editor or a vlogger or a blogger Mm -hmm. and I would send products. I wrote every word on the package and I won't say it was pretty, but um, our first product, I mean, I, I didn't know anyone who's a graphic designer and I couldn't afford to hire a graphic designer, but what I did do was the guy who I worked with at the TV news station who made those graphics that go up in the news that show Mm -hmm. like the map of where the crime scene Mm -hmm. was. (laughs) So he knew how to do map graphics and other things like that. He had never done packaging. Like You're like, that'll work. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> I paid him hourly to come in my living room at 4.30 in the morning before he went to his full-time job. And, you know, we designed every word on every package and I wrote the copy on every press release and you just, you figure it out and it wasn't glamorous, but what I did do was I sent free product to any person who I thought could cover it and spread the word. And most didn't, most did not cover it, but a few did and it started getting the word out. And then it was the real women and men who would start talking about it and posting their own before and afters. And that's really how we kept the lights on for the most part um, for the first three years. So so again, not so glamorous, but that's what we really did in the beginning. And I would say that part of it right now, because of social media is actually easier to do, because there's just no barriers to entry for people to get to audiences. And so you know, doing as much of that as you can, especially when you need options that are free, meaning just the cost of your product and your time. Uh, That's really what we had to do in the beginning.
0: Oh my God. I mean, just what a symphony this episode was, you know, like a master class in humanity and an incredible class in business. You are amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. I I cannot wait for next year when your book comes out, because clearly this is such a powerful message and this book will will do so well. So let us know where you want to send us. Where can we be a part of your life so that we can keep gleaning all the wisdom from your sweet, sweet self?
1: Thank you so much. Right now, I'm really just on one platform myself personally right now, which is uh, my personal Instagram page. So it's at Jamie Kern Lima. Great. Um, And I am there and grateful to be just building a community all about inspiration there. So yeah, my personal Instagram, Jamie Kern Lima, and I had such a great time. Thank you. You're the best,
0: Jamie. Everyone loves you immediately. This is it. This is really what it's about. It's just the you, the you-ness of you. It's just such a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kathy.
3: Oh my God. What a story, right? Jamie's amazing. And here are the takeaways. Number one, There are moments that feel like setbacks, but they're really setting us up for our destiny. Number two, have a why that's bigger than yourself. Number three, we all hold our own microphone. Protect it. Be selective about who gets to talk to your mic when it comes to your dream. Number four, follow through on your mission. Number five, tell your authentic story. Own it. Being authentically you is the only way to connect with your customers. Number six, focus on the things that truly matter. Number seven, if you pivot your business, make sure it's aligned with your mission and your why. Don't dilute your secret sauce. And number eight, when it seems like there's no other choice ahead, that's the best time to get scrappy and get creative. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know that there's just an endless amount of things that are going on and there's so many things you could be doing right now instead of listening to the show. It means a lot to me. If you liked this episode, did you? Then maybe can you think of one person who would benefit from this episode or any other episode? If you can take a second and share the show, you can talk about on Instagram and tag me and I can repost it, or you can just text it to a friend or send an email. And by the way, you can always connect with me on Instagram at Kathy.Heller, Kathy's with a C. I'm there every day posting and sharing sort of what's going on in my life and responding to DMs. So if you need me, I'm there. We have so many good episodes coming up, so please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen because, of course, that's free. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you Thursday.
0: The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.